0: If you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Titus, please, the book of Titus, chapter 1, Titus chapter 1. I enjoyed seeing the photos from uh, the ladies' fellowship yesterday. I enjoyed watching them have uh, good fellowship and fun together, and I enjoyed eating the bread even more than that when uh, it was brought back home. It was so good. Titus chapter one, God willing, we'll be expounding verse two this morning. We did verse one last week. The title of the message this morning is a timeless hope. But well, we need some things that are timeless, don't we? My wife and I were—I uh, don't—I uh, I don't know how it came up. I don't know uh, how the subject came up. We were talking about. Um, I mean, originally came up. We were talking about singers last night and how um, there's one particular singer I was reading about, uh, a pop singer from like the 70s. And uh, when he was 70 years old, he got engaged to a 49-year-old woman and got married again. And... uh he said that him falling in love inspired him to be able to write music. And uh, I thought, how sad that that's here yet, he 70 years old. How long do you think that's going to last? You know, married a 49-year-old woman, 70 years old, and, uh, and that's your inspiration to write a few love songs. And I, I told my wife, I said, and it's sad. He should have been writing about things that last forever. You know, maybe he's got 10, 15 years left of that, you know, and uh, and a lot of that's just going to be getting sick and dying. But uh, when we sing about things this morning, we sing about things that last forever. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about a hope that we have that lasts forever. Last week, we began our study, pardon me, in the book of Titus, where Paul was talking about true teachers that... God puts in the church by Jesus, allowing us to contrast them with the false teachers. The devil slips into the church that the apostle Jude warned us about in our last book that we studied. In verse 1 last week, Paul said that he was a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we learned in that message that our bondage to God is the basis of our service to God. Being bound to God, Paul was free from his service to sin, Satan, and death. As a servant of God, Paul served in the capacity of being an apostle, he said, of Jesus Christ. And we learned that being an apostle meant Paul was a delegate. He was someone who was delegated to speak and to act on Jesus' behalf to his church. So an apostle, we learned, was someone that through Jesus' spiritual presence, acted in Jesus' physical absence. Okay? And we learned that the apostles' apostleship was according to the faith of God's elect, which we said was our faith in God's redemptive plan to deliver the world from sin and death of the gospel and to restore the world back to the way God intended it to be. And lastly, we learned that faith is acknowledging that the gospel of Christ is true. It's taking God at His word. In verse 1, Paul opened his letter, if you'll look there with me, to Titus saying, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. And now Paul, this morning, with great joy is going to remind us why we have placed our hope in God's redemptive plan. He said, we acknowledge the truth of the gospel, verse 2, in hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. Thank you for these people who came here this morning to hear and to be fed. Thank you, Lord God, that when we hear your word, we're not hearing from man. We're hearing from heaven. And I pray your Holy Spirit will feed us this morning. That all eyes, Father, will be on you. Thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> in hope of eternal life. The Greek word that's translated hope here. It means a joyful expectation. <clears throat> doesn't mean, oh, I hope so. No, it means a joyful expectation. Christians... Acknowledge the truth of the gospel with the expectation that God is going to do something wonderful because of it. When God created man, he intended for us to live forever. Okay? That was the plan. But Adam, when he was given a choice between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he foolishly chose to gain knowledge... At the expense of losing life. And repeat that again. Adam foolishly chose to gain knowledge at the expense of losing life. He chose to partake of the tree that provided knowledge but promised death, when he could have partaken of a tree that provided life and promised that he would never see death. What a foolish choice! When Adam made this choice, he forfeited his and his descendants' rights, our rights, to inherit eternal life. So God told Adam in Genesis 3.19, if you're taking notes, in Genesis 3.19, God said, In the sweat of thy face, <clears throat> I'm sorry, my allergies. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, understand that when God told this to Adam, this was Adam's expectation. This was his hope. This is what he had to look forward to. Because of Adam's sin, he could now expect to earn his living by the sweat of his face Until he returned back into the ground that he came from. That was his expectation. Likewise, because of Adam's sin, when we're born, this is our expectation as Adam's descendants. Because of Adam's sin, getting up when we don't feel like it. and Going to work to put food on the table was what Adam had to look forward to. And as Brother Doug and I were talking this morning, that's what we have to look forward to. Until we die. But because we acknowledge the truth that Jesus fully obeyed God's Word and died for the sins that we committed, and then overcame death for us when He rose again, we now expect to be, expects the key word, we now expect or hope to be raised from the dead and live forever like Jesus. We die like Adam. That's our expectation in Adam. We're raised from the dead to live forever. That's our expectation in Jesus Christ. So we acknowledge the truth of the gospel. Therefore we have the hope. The joyful expectation of eternal life. And Paul said this wonderful expectation we have. Of inheriting eternal life. Is something. Look back in your text now. It's something which God. That cannot lie promised. For those who acknowledge the truth of Christ. Living forever is not wishful thinking. It is a promise that God made to us. And God always keeps his promises. Always. May take a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, six thousand years. But God will always keep his promises. And I want you to notice here that God is tying, He is associating our hope with God's character. You see that? In the beginning of this verse, Paul explains that we acknowledge the truth of the gospel in hope of eternal life. So eternal life is our hope. And now in the same verse, Paul says, we have the expectation of eternal life. Why? Because God cannot lie. He who cannot lie promised us eternal life. So eternal life is our hope. Eternal life is God's promise. You see how those two go hand in hand? And the promise is guaranteed to us by the fact that God... Who made this promise of eternal life cannot lie. Now, Paul is not saying that God cannot lie because someone has forbidden him to lie and they won't let him lie. He's saying that God cannot lie because God is literally without falsehood. In the original Greek text, where it says, cannot lie, There is not one Greek word that says cannot, and then another Greek word that says lie. It's not like that in the Greek. In the Greek, it is simply one word. And it's the Greek word that translated means falsehood, with the prefix a in front of it, okay? And, And this is seen a lot in the Greek, so you'll hear me repeat this sometimes with Greek words, but just to understand, it's just the way it is, and it's really, really nice, so, um, just like if we were to talk about symmetry, something symmetrical, okay? If you put the letter A in front of it, and you say it's asymmetrical or asymmetrical, then it means it's not symmetrical, okay? And so, in the Greek text, uh, there is one word that means not false. Does that make sense? Not false, all right? And so Paul's not saying that God cannot lie because he's not allowed to lie, but because God, in his holy, divine essence, is without falsehood. Remember our study back in First John, when we were studying through John's epistles? In first John one five, John said this about God. He said, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Can anyone finish that for me? And in him is what? No darkness at all. In other words, God is truth. And in him is no falsehood at all. That's God's essence it's his character. It's who he is. As it is impossible for God to have darkness in him because in him there is no darkness at all, even so it is impossible for God to lie because in him is no falsehood at all. That's literally what Paul's saying. God, in whom there is no falsehood at all, promised us eternal life. Therefore, As it is impossible for God to lie, so it is impossible for the believer to die. Since God cannot lie, His promise cannot fail, therefore we cannot be disappointed in our expectation of eternal life. I want you to see how strong this is. Our expectation of eternal life is based on God's holy character. So the promise that the believer in Jesus Christ shall live forever is literally as certain as God is. Sometimes in the Old Testament you'll see this very uh, uh, principle expressed. Brother Shepherd knows right where I'm going. Someone will say, as the Lord liveth. Right? That's what they'll say. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 we see this principle again in the new testament in and in, in Hebrews 6:13 says that when God made promise to Abraham, now remember when God took Abraham, he said, Look up to the stars and if you can count them, then so shall your your seed be. They'll be numberless like the stars. And the same with the grands of the uh, of the of the seashore. That's how many children Abraham, even though you have no child at all right now and you're practically about to die, you're so old, that's how many kids you're gonna have, I promise. And so in Hebrews six thirteen, the Bible says, "When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater." Some people swear by greater things. You know, I had one person who was lying to me when I stopped him. I was a highway patrolman. He was just crooked as a snake. But he told me, he said, "I promise on my dead grandmother's grave." Boy, I'd made it really special. <laughs> He's still lying. But the Bible says because there was nobody greater than God that he could swear by, he swore by himself. In other words, God based his promise to Abraham on himself, making the promise as sure to Abraham as he was. And then, a few verses down, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 17 and 18, he explains that the promise God gave Abraham is the same promise God gave us. Understand this? The same promise God gave Abraham is the same promise God gave us concerning eternal life. He said, quote, God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, that you and me. The immutability of His counsel. Do you know what immutability is? It means it can't change. It means when God determines something, it won't change. God is immutable. His counsel is immutable. He is unchanging. The Bible says in the Old Testament, God said, I am the Lord, I change not. Thank God for that. Some things never change. So the Bible says, God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchanging value of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Because it's impossible for God to lie. He says we might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope. Same thing here in Titus. Set before us. Because I believe God's promise of eternal life in the gospel message. In order for me to perish in my sin. In order for God's promise to fail. That immutable unchanging God would have to change and cease being God altogether, which is impossible. In order for us who believe in Christ to perish, he who is holy would have to become unholy. He in whom there is no darkness at all would have to have no light at all. And that is impossible. So our eternal security, once again, is as secure As God himself. God promised us eternal life. Swearing by himself. And look back with me now in Titus 1-2. He swore eternal life to us by himself. Making this promise to us. Before the world began. In the Greek Paul is literally saying before Kronos. Or the reckoning of time began. Kronos should means something to you even though it's Greek. The word chronos, of course, is where we get our word chronology from. How things progress in time is chronological order. I suppose since time began in the beginning, right? In the beginning, that's when time began. In the beginning, the translators worded it, before the world began. And in some places of the Bible, even though it doesn't say before the world began here, it's literally saying before Kronos began. But in some places of the Bible, the Greek does say before the world began. And I'm sure that's why the translators went ahead and translated it this way. But since it says Kronos here, before it's speaking literally before time began, or the, uh, the 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 counting of time, the reckoning of earthly time began, I want to To to, uh, expound on this text the way it's actually written. And it's important for us to do so. Here's why. The promise of eternal life was made before perpetual time was set in motion here on earth. Does that make sense? Before the beginning ever began for us. Before God divided the darkness from the light and called the day Uh, The light day and called the darkness night. Before God initiated the measurement of time in this world. The promise of eternal life had already been made. Before God ever said let there be light. God promised that we would have eternal life. Brother Richard why is this so important? Because if God being unable to lie made a promise to us that we would inherit eternal life before the world began, before the reckoning of time began, then the events that unfolded from the time that God created the world to the time that Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden can in no way affect the promise that God had previously made. God made this promise to us in eternity past before time began here on earth and because god cannot lie what happens in time cannot undo what happened in eternity repeat that again what happens in time cannot undo what happened in eternity what creation does, what people do, what the devil does, what the world does. In time, as time unfolds and progresses from uh, uh, B.C. to A.D. and from 2000, Uh, 22 to 23 to 3,000 to however long it goes. What creation does in time cannot change what the Creator has already declared in eternity past. Let me ask you a question. How can God, though, promise you and me eternal life if we're not around for the promise to be made? How can He promise us eternal life if we weren't here? Before time began, Adam had not even been created. How could he have promised us anything? Well, we kind of already got that answer earlier. We just may not have seen it. Remember when we were reading about God promising Abraham what he did and then showing that God more abundantly. To show unto us the heirs of eternal life, right? The heirs of promise. He, con- he, he, he swore by himself and he confirmed it by an oath and all these things. You see, when God promised Abraham that he would bless his descendants, God was making a promise to Abraham's descendants, you see? Before his descendants were ever born. They were the ones given the promise, By making a promise to Abraham. God was making a promise to those who would descend from Abraham. Because that's what the promise was about. And that they would inherit Israel for how long? Forever. So in that promise. You had the promise of a great nation. A great seed. And a great hope of eternal life. In that promise God gave Abraham. And so God was making a promise to those who would descend from Abraham because Abraham represented them. When God made that promise to Abraham, where were all of Abraham's descendants? They were still in Abraham's loins. So when God promised them, everyone descending from Abraham becomes a person who was a recipient of that promise, a benefactor of that promise. And in the same way, in eternity past, God made a promise to the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about it in the Psalms. We read about it in the prophets. Jesus said, the Lord hath declared to me, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God made a promise to Jesus about his priesthood, about him being king, <laughs> about him reigning forever before the world ever began. And again, in that same way, by making a promise to Jesus before the world began, God was making a promise to the people who would descend from Jesus in the new birth. Ye must be born again. By promising that to Jesus, He promised it to the people whom Jesus represented. And Jesus came and represented me and you. That's why he took on the nature of man. So that he could represent humanity. Listen to what God promised through the prophet Micah about the Lord Jesus. In Micah 5.2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Listen now. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel. see brother Richard. That's through Micah. That's after the world began. Listen closely to the prophecy. Out of thee. Bethlehem. Shall he, now that's Jesus, he shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was the ruler to be in Israel from everlasting. Jesus was to come forth from Bethlehem there was to be a ruler set up over the nation of Israel and thus over the world in eternity future and that was decided the ruler of Israel was from everlasting the child born in Bethlehem was from everlasting does that make sense And if the child born in Bethlehem was from everlasting, then the man who died on the cross who was born in Bethlehem was from everlasting. You see how that works? Don't just quickly read over the Scriptures. Soak it in. The Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, is from everlasting before the world began. Listen to what the Lord Jesus declared of Himself through Solomon In Proverbs chapter 8. Oh look at that. The Proverbs are also the prophecies. In Proverbs chapter 8. In verse 22 through 23. Jesus said the Lord possessed me. In the beginning of his way. Before his works of old. I was set up. From everlasting From the beginning or ever the earth was. Isn't that amazing? God's wisdom that gives man eternal life was set up, Solomon said, from everlasting. From the beginning or ever the earth was. And what God has set up in eternity cannot be torn down by what unfolds in time. When you look at the cross of Jesus Christ. You need to see it as God's execution of an eternal promise. Not something that just happened. Not just happenstance. Not just the circumstances of the day. And all too bad the prophet got killed or something like that. No. It was something set up from eternity past. The ruler that was born in Bethlehem. From eternity past, was born to die so that we could live. When you see the cross as God's execution of an eternal promise, you will understand that what you do in time has no effect on what God does in eternity. You see that? And to diminish. I mean this is a powerful doctrine. And to diminish the effect of this powerful doctrine. The devil tries to get people. Tries to get uh, uh, Christians. And, uh, and other people. Who are religiously oriented. He tries to get them to focus on what they do in time. For their salvation. Rather than what God has done in eternity. What we do in time. Changes. I. I. Uh, I told y'all about. Um, it's a real kind of happening thing now, where people are uh, are telling uh, pastors are telling people in church you need to forsake sin and not sin on purpose, and you're more to go to heaven. That's not the gospel. It's not even possible. You see, what I do in time, it changes. Let's say that I forsook every sin I knew to right now. I'm a bad person, I'm a sinner, I want to go to heaven, so I forsake every sin I know of. There's no way I can really truly forsake it, I'm still going to come short of God's glory. But let's say in my mind, I imagine that, hey, I have forsaken all of my sin. So in my mind, I imagine that today, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day, or the next day? You see, what I do in time changes. What God has set up from eternity past doesn't change. That's why His counsel for the Savior to be born in Bethlehem came to pass. He promised it in Micah. He fulfilled it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's why Jesus, who was the Lamb, the Scripture says, slain from the foundation of the world or before the world began, He came just as He said. God's counsel is immutable. It's unchangeable. Our behavior Is changeable. But the devil will try to get you to focus on what you do in time for your salvation rather than what God has set up in the gospel in eternity. What God does in eternity never changes. What we do in time does. What God has promised in eternity is the gospel. What we do in time is not the gospel. As God's elect, we acknowledge the truth of the gospel. But we must understand that the gospel promise was made to us in Christ before the world began. So that we, who have placed our faith in Christ, can have an unchanging hope in a world of changing times. Isn't that wonderful? Because we placed our trust in Christ and Christ was set up before time began, we have an unchanging hope in a world of changing time. And this is why the apostle Paul said in Romans 8:38 and 39, "For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, Nor principalities. Listen close. Nor things present. Nor things to come. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How come things present and things to come cannot separate us from the love of God? Because the love of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that love was set up. Before the world began. What you do in time. Cannot change what God has promised in eternity. If your faith is in Jesus. Your hope is as unchanging. As he is. With that we'll go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Man that's some powerful truth. Praise God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. How does that go? Anyone? We got that in the songbook. What page is that? Someone let me know if you find it. Nine. Let me turn there and find that particular verse I was looking for. Standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, y'all want to sing that? Let me sit, give me a little sip of water here. <clears throat> Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, I'm standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. I hope you're standing on the promises of God. God's promise is the Lord Jesus Christ. His life his death, His burial, His resurrection from the dead. Him sitting at the right hand of God in heavenly places. That's the promise of God. It was set up before the world began. I have placed my feet on it. The promise isn't going anywhere. So my feet's not going anywhere. I'm going wherever Jesus goes. And he's gone forever. He's going to make the energizer bunny look awful rotten when He comes again. Father, thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you for the eternal promises, Lord, that cannot be changed in what unfolds in time. Thank you, Father God, for giving us something so sure and so steadfast. That if we place our hope in Jesus, our joyful expectation of living forever is as solid as you are. It's as sure as as you are, as the Lord liveth, even so shall we. Thank you for this so much. Be with these precious people and as they go throughout the rest of this day. And help us, Lord, going to the work week this coming Monday. Or into whatever retirement week or whatever we have. Let us go into this week knowing, dear Lord God, who we are in Christ. And being the savor of Christ to the people we meet. In his precious and holy name we pray, Lord.